Hey, you're listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. My name is Keila Craft Ambrose. This is a place to grow, be inspired, and to go deeper in the things of God. I hope you enjoy this episode. The title of my message is, What Are You Fighting For? There's a song that saying that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but too often, I think we live in this state where we feel like we're fighting or we feel like we're in and out of constant issues or drama. And a lot of us don't know why. And a lot of us don't understand why we feel like we have to constantly be fighting. Like, have you guys ever felt like you just can't get your head above water? Like you just keep getting hit with a wave after a wave and you can't take a breath? Have you guys ever felt that way? Yeah, you can talk to me. I like to talk and you can talk back because this is kind of like a conversation. Um, and I found that you have to know three things. To know what you're fighting for and to actually win, you have to know three things, or you have to do three things. You have to know why you're fighting, who you're fighting, and how to win. And I wanted to read you this scripture just to start off with. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, and it says, Let us give thanks to God. He gives us the victory because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done. So... If we've already been given the victory in our life because of what Jesus has done for us, why do we sometimes find ourselves walking in sickness? Why do we find ourselves walking in frustration? Why do we find ourselves walking in dysfunction or in a scenario that seems really, really dark? And so I'm going to go through these three points and hopefully these speak to you. But the first one is know why you are fighting. When you know what you're fighting for, you don't give up easy. I've had this on like a very large scale in my life and a very small scale. So for me, a, m a more recent story actually that I just told was um, I had this pug that was like 13. She passed away like a year ago, yeah. It was really sad. But whenever I was a sophomore in high school, I told my dad, that's how long ago I got her, um, I told my dad, hey, I really want a pug. And he said, well, if you can find one for $200, which... If you ever tried to find like an actual purebred dog for $200, that's ridiculous. Unless you're just rescuing it and it, I don't know, it happens to be purebred or something. So I think my dad had a little bit of strategy with that because he was like, sure, if you can find one for nothing. And I looked in the Thrifty Nickel. Does anyone remember the Thrifty Nickel? Hey, older people. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and I found a freaking pug for $200. And I knew what I was fighting for. And it sounds really weird, but you think about it. If you know the kind of car you want, if you know the kind of hair color that you want, if you know, you know girls, I mean, I'm a girl, so sorry guys for a second. You might relate to this. You know that like pair of jeans that you want to get or like that jacket and you have it in your head and you can't find it and then all of a sudden it comes out next season and everybody has it and you're like, I was looking for that before and no one had it. I wish I could make my own clothes. <sighs> it's frust personal frustration. But... For me, okay, I looked for a green leather jacket for no lie three years. <laughs> yeah, some of you guys know. Every country I went to with the interns or any trip, I'm like, let's look for the green leather jacket. If you find the green leather jacket, extra credit in my class. <laughs> That's how I bribed interns back then. I don't do that as much, to be honest. But um, I actually, I found a green leather jacket, but I was over it, and it was like years later. And now I think you can find them everywhere. But if you know really what you're fighting for, 
you're not going to give up easy. You're just not. Most of our generation has no clue what they believe, really. They have no clue what they're fighting for, so they give up or they sit back and they let life happen to them. We just get hit, get punched, get knocked over, and it's like, hmm, guess that's just how it goes. And I feel like the only thing our generation is passionate for are things that we heard about through like a BuzzFeed article that we don't even know if it's true. But we get all hyped up about it because it's been reposted so much. We're like, did you hear about that? And we're like, yeah, I got proved that it was false. It's crazy, though. What if it was true? Like, that's the only things we really care about is what comes across, like, our phone on social media. We don't even really know what's going on in the world. We don't really know what's going on in our life. We're just kind of going from, like, feed to feed, post to post, emotion to emotion. And, you know, we're the... <laughs> Here's some news. We're the most depressed, anxiety-ridden, and medicated generation that has ever lived. That's not to make you feel bad. That's just to tell you where we're at. And we just take it. We receive our diagnosis and our darkness as more real than the power of God. We think because a doctor told us that we're bipolar or that we have ADHD or that we have some kind of multiple personality, whatever, and we're like, oh, that's just what it is. Got to get on medication instead of actually interacting with God and understanding that the spirit can override the flesh. Now, I'm not saying if you need medication, don't take it, so don't read me wrong here. But what I'm saying is you shouldn't believe a doctor's diagnosis over the Word of God. You shouldn't believe the gossip as more powerful than the Word of God. You shouldn't believe what your friend said about them more than what God says about them. Or what other people think about you more than what God says about you. So our generation just has this tendency to take things at face value and we don't research or go any deeper even though we have literally knowledge at our fingertips. I remember when the only thing I had, and this was like when I was in high school, was ask Jeeves. And Jeeves didn't know that, Jeeves didn't, he didn't know that much. If you're like, what is ask Jeeves? I'm sorry, you're too young. I don't know what to say about that. But I am 30 now, you guys. Uh, it's old. But here's the thing. Like back in the day, you used to have to go to a library and like figure things out. Now we can just like Google something. But what I'll tell you is that not every easy answer that you can find is the right one. What's that, what's that site that, oh, Urban Dictionary. Yeah, if you've ever looked up your name on that, it's true, I guess. But what I'll tell you is that we try to like for real Urban Dictionary our life instead of bringing it to God. And that's why most of us are like, what is happening? Who am I? And, you know, the fight that we're talking about in this series and the fight that I'm talking about tonight, it doesn't happen in a foreign land or in a protest or in a march. It's a battle inside yourself. And this is one that can seem very mysterious and even complex. It's a battleground that can change daily, weekly, hourly. You think you've got pattern down and then all of a sudden something happens and the battleground totally changes and you got to change your game plan but guess who isn't surprised god so while you might be fine and then in five minutes you're freaking out god has the power to help you you might totally feel like i don't know if you i don't know if you guys have ever felt like this but like in like one moment i'll be like wow my life's really good and then like five minutes later i'm like everything sucks <laughs> 
how did it switch so fast? I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's like sometimes I'm scared to feel like life's good because then like it might not be good after I realize that. And, you know, I think that a lot of times in our generation and in general, people don't know what they're fighting for, so they get off course, and they get off course because they never really had a course to begin with or a direction, and you eventually avoid most decisions altogether that matter, and you make dumb little decisions that lead to confusing and dark and unnatural directions that somehow I think our generation is going to at least one day become like asexual or something. We're not going to need anybody else. <laughs> Can I be real? <laughs> like we're, we have so blurred the lines and confused the truth with the loudest voice that somehow we don't even know the direction that we should be going in. And don't get me confused when I'm saying what I'm saying because we're supposed to love. But that doesn't mean that you follow the pack. So, you know, some people, they, they might say, well, you know, I have some stuff I'm fighting for. Well, I'm going to tell you some of the stuff that I'm fighting for. And if yours isn't like mine, it's totally fine. But as I'm talking, I just want you to think about, like, what are some of the things in your life you're fighting for internally, personally? I'm fighting to help people realize their full God-given potential. I'm fighting to empower people to start living a life that matters because I believe that the world is a better place when motivated, creative people understand that God made you for more than a paycheck or an insta-following. I'm fighting to have a great marriage and not only to continue but start a great legacy for God. I'm fighting the weakness in myself so that others can follow me as I follow God. I'm fighting for a better world, for a better me, for my kids in the future so that God can have his rightful place in the world we live in. I fight for the best and the most healthy parts to lead me, not my hurt or not my past. When I fight for these things, I feel like I'm doing what I was meant to do. It can be a lot of work to fight for greatness, but that's how I know these goals are worth pursuing. So what are you fighting for? And how do you know that that's a fight worth fighting? You know, you don't have to stay in survival mode. I've been in survival mode before, and it sucks. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to not know if you're going to have enough money or if you're going to like have enough emotional stability in your day or if you're making the right decision or if you're around the right people or if the people you know actually care about you. Like All those things we could live in a survival mode type thing. It doesn't feel good. But God doesn't want you to stay in a survival mode, and sometimes that's a choice we make. I made up a word. I believe that God doesn't want you to live in survival mode. I believe that he wants you to live in thrival mode. He wants you to thrive. He doesn't want you to just get by. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be secure. He wants you to be focused. He wants you to see results. You see, surviving is easy to define. Somebody tell me, like, just shout them out to me. What do you think are some basic needs that we need to survive? Air, water, food. Sleep. Sleep is a good one. I told someone today that was my love language. Okay, friends, okay. So your basic, your basic criteria is oxygen, water, food, shelter, right? Like those are pretty basic. And some people would say today, I'm just working on surviving. 
But thriving is different. Thriving is 100% personal. It goes beyond a feeling. It's an experience. It's a way of operating in your world and not in a destination or a to-do list. What's more difficult than just surviving is understanding that you have the opportunity to thrive and you're choosing not to. You see, I looked up the etymology of the word thrive because I love words. Can't always spell them, but I love them. That's why I Google. And to thrive means to increase, to grow, to take hold of. So what this shows me is in my life, if I'm surviving, I'm probably not in a state of wanting to grow. If I'm surviving, I'm probably not in a state where I'm wanting to increase. If I'm surviving, I'm probably not in a state where I'm wanting to just take hold of all that God has for me. I'm probably selfishly operating how I want to operate. And when you're simply surviving, it shows you that you're letting life lead you and control you instead of leading yourself in the midst of life and its situations and even mishaps. Some of us tonight need to take hold of our life and choose to grow and stop letting how it has been or will be or what we think it might be be what it is tomorrow and from now on. You have the choice to choose what your life is like no matter what it looks like. And whatever's trying to stop you right now, I don't care what it is for you personally. And I'm saying this stuff, and I'll explain it more a little bit later. I'm saying this stuff out of personal experience, not out of theory. The stuff that's trying to stop you and hold you back right now has no power against the power of God. So if you feel like you're overwhelmed, if you feel like you can't keep your head above water, if you feel like you're just trying to survive, what that shows me is that you're not relying on trusting in or focusing on God. You're focusing on your issue. You're focusing on the pain. You're focusing on what that person did. You're focusing on what your life isn't and what you think it should be. And God doesn't want you to live on past victories. He doesn't want you to live on what's happened in the past. Has God ever done something good for one of you guys? Has he ever done something good? But, like, don't you want to experience him doing something good for you now? Not just, like, when I was 15, I found a $100 bill. Like, don't you want to experience miracle after miracle and live in that reality? I don't want to live in a reality of drama. I remember when, like, what was it called? Reality television, like, real TV. When all that first happened, like, real world came out. And it wasn't actually real. It was scripted. (laughs) Like, here's the funny thing. We like to think that, like, oops, I fell into that mistake. But you made about five decisions before you made that major decision that got you into it. So sometimes we like to say, well, I'm just being real. Really? Is that the reality that you want? Because the reality that I want looks a lot different than what I'm living sometimes. And I've got to put work. I've got to put effort. I've got to put my focus into that and my fight into that right thing in order to get the right thing out. Joyce Myers said, no matter what has happened to you in the past or what is going on in your life right now, it has no power to keep you from having an amazingly good future if you walk by faith in God. God loves you. He wants you to live with victory over sin so you can possess his promises in your life today. So many of us are not walking in the promises of God because Sin is overriding the promise. And when I say sin, I don't want you to be like, oh, churchy word, and that just means sex before marriage or something. Like, that's not what that means. 
Sin literally means anything that is separating you from God. Anything. For me, a lot of times, sin is selfishness. My selfishness, my way, is separating me from God. So don't freak out when I say the word sin. That's not a cuss word. Like, yes, sometimes people use it and it gets all weird and judgy. I'm just talking about the thing that's separating you from God right now is the thing that's keeping you from what he wants to give you. So do you want to keep holding on to that or do you want what he has for you? So the second point is, know who you're fighting. It would be pretty difficult if like, I don't know, I like to think of myself like kind of like Khaleesi or something. I have two dogs, mother of snorting dragons. And I like to think of myself, if I went into a battle, like I'd know what to do and I'd just kick someone's butt. But if I didn't know who I was fighting, I wouldn't be really well equipped. Like, you gotta know who you're fighting. If you're fighting a giant, might wanna get some long reaching weapons there or some stilts to stand on, I don't know. Um, if you're fighting someone who's blind or deaf, you might need to like have some different tactics, right? If you're fighting someone who's fast, you might need to get yourself a little horse, I don't know. But you've gotta know who you're fighting. Winning battles begins when you decide, winning a battle begins, oh my gosh, winning battles begins when you decide to stop fighting against yourself and you take a stand for God. So how do you know who you're fighting? Well, are you fighting for God? Are you doing the things of God and then facing opposition? Or are you just living your life and like you're like, God help me because you're my genie in a bottle and you do what I want? Most of us think that we're fighting the devil, but we haven't even gotten that far in the battle. Does anyone play video games? Did you ever play video games? Do you know anything about video games? Okay. I don't play video games, but I grew up with a brother who is a total gamer, even today. Okay. And if there's one thing I've learned, well, has anyone ever heard the new levels, new devils thing? They're like, new levels, new devils. Like, that's a good thing. I don't want to talk about devils. But on a video game... You have to pass some tests to be able to play against the biggest villain. Like, you don't like, like I was playing this Jurassic Park game the other day with Mish, and we were like shooting these dinosaurs, which is really sad, but we were like shooting them. I like dinosaurs. And so, but you don't get to like the biggest dinosaurs. Like, you have like this big matchup at the end if you can make it that far. And so many of us are rebuking the devil, and we don't even realize we haven't even made it onto level one because we're not willing to choose our character. So like, you know like in most video games you get to choose your character? You get to choose like one that has like really great strengths or some tactics or it has like, you know the weaknesses. Has anyone ever seen the new Jumanji? <laughs> That's kind of funny how they explain the strengths and weaknesses. It's like my weakness is cake. Um, but like, you get to choose this character, and you know their strengths and weaknesses, and you play, you play this game according to strategy, right? And no one's going to pick, like, the weakest or the least reliable character, so why are we those kinds of people? Why are we the kind of people that operate in our weakness and expect to win? Why are we the kind of people that aren't choosing the best things in our life, but somehow we want to win the fight? Like, you've got to choose your character before you can even level up. So God's waiting for us to understand not only who we are, but who he is, and then simply walk in victory. 
because you can only win with God. You'll never lose. Like, that's like one of the smartest things you could do is just go, God, I'm going to follow you. Because you're going to win every single time. If you choose your way, it's a toss-up. Mostly, it doesn't work out. <laughs> like, have you ever dated somebody and you're like, but they were really cute. But like you knew that they didn't really have like values or character or anything that lined up with you, but somehow you're like, God, why? My heart's broken. Why'd you let me go through that? And he's like, I didn't help you choose him. <laughs> so here's how you know who you're fighting, okay? I'm going to go through a couple different scenarios here, okay? So think about this in your life. Have you done all you can? Like in your life, in whatever situation you're thinking about right now, have you done all you can? Have you involved God? Have you been faithful to God? Those things are very important to think of. And then the next one is, are you asking God for help? If you've done any of those things, you're probably facing opposition from the enemy. If you are involving God, if you're seeking after God, if you're really wanting to do what God wants you to do, that's probably opposition from the enemy. But if you've been doing things your own way, if you haven't really been involving God, if you haven't been consistently putting God first, if you seem to keep having the same issues or drama, you're most likely fighting against yourself. So we have two enemies, ourself and the devil. Some of us need to stop rebuking the enemy and just do the right thing. The enemy only has the power that we give him. Let me just repeat that. The enemy only has the power that you give him. Because you're a child of God, he has no authority over you unless you give it to him. We give the devil way too much credit in our lives. And our attitude, our choices, our thoughts, they all contribute to what our life looks like. And you're either winning or you're not. But the good news is, if you aren't winning, you can start right now. There are some areas in my life tonight that I'm like, I'm starting right now. Like, I'm starting tonight. I want to win. I'm tired of losing in that area. I'm tired of facing the same issues. I'm tired of going in circles. Like, have you ever done that? And you're like, I've been here before. I faced this before. Oh, wow, what a surprise. You're here again. Like, <laughs> I have the same kinds of friends. They do the same kind of things. People, you know, it's like just repetitive. And, you know, Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So guess what? If you don't feel like doing the right thing, you can say, God, help me to have the desire to do what you want me to do. God, help me. Like, I ask God all the time. I'm like, God, help me. I need help because on my own, I have an attitude. And I can get frustrated quickly. And I have sensory issues, which means I don't like noises. So if you chew or breathe in the wrong direction, I'm not going to like it, you know? <laughs> it's a real issue I'm working on. Yeah, okay, my husband, thanks for shouting out on that part. Okay, so the last point is know how to win. I'm going to give you um, a secret. Does anyone want a shortcut to winning? I do. To obey God is the beginning of victory. In 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 16, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Paul's talking to Timothy, and he's talking to him about living a life of integrity, living a life that honors God. And he says, but you are a man of God. 
Run away from all these things. Try hard to do what is right and godly. Have faith, love, and gentleness. Hold on to what you believe. Fight the good fight along with all believers. Take hold of eternal life. You were chosen for it when you openly told others what you believe. Many witnesses heard you. God gives life to everything. And then it goes down. It just basically says, obey it completely. And then in the end it says, honor and power belong to God forever. You know, what Paul's trying to say here is walk with a sense of purpose and righteousness. Righteousness can often be misconstrued for perfection, and it's not. Notice in the scripture it says try hard to do what is right and godly. It doesn't say be perfect, but that doesn't also give you an opportunity to just mess up. So try hard. Focus on doing what is right and godly. So usually what's opposite of what you naturally want to do, at least for me. When this says fight the good fight, this is saying fight the fight that matters. Fight for what's right, not what's easy. God's going to give you the strength to do it. You know, the purpose of this scripture in 1 Timothy is summarized in one phrase. It says fight the good fight. The fight must be good, noble, right, and true. And the way you fight must be good, noble, right, and true. If you're fighting a fight that you can't do those things in, it's the wrong fight. If you're doing it to be right, mm, wrong. Not a fight that's worth fighting. Pastor Keith always says, give up your right to be right. People get confused by this statement, so let me break it down for you. We all have a right to something, right? Like, I have a right to be an American. I have a right to be a woman, whatever. Whatever your right is, okay? Give up my right to be right. I most of the time think I'm right. But if I think I'm right, I can be wrong even when I'm right because of the way I approach it. This is something I'm personally working on because I can fight for it and I can make you eventually maybe believe that I'm right even if I'm not. But we have to choose our battles wisely we like to point the finger at our parents or our authority or even someone who's hurt us in the past and we blame them for where we're at today. We can go, well, they've caused me pain or I've been through these, these battles and these fights and I'm not getting where I want to be because of this and this is holding me back. The only thing that's holding you back is you. Did you know that pain can actually push you into your purpose? So if you're a person that's faced pain today, and all of us have on a level, don't be discouraged by that process of dealing with your pain. Maybe you feel like you're being pushed right now, and it's tight, you feel uncomfortable. You need to get ready, because God's about to push you to a whole other level. He's going to push you into greater strength, greater influence, greater resources. I believe you're coming into a new season of health, favor, victory, breakthrough. The winds that were meant to stop you, the things that were meant to stop you are going to push you into your purpose in Jesus' name. Because your wounds can turn into your wisdom. Your wounds don't have to be something that keep you held back. They can be something that makes you wise. You know, I heard this story from a friend. She had actually uh, broken her foot and she had to go to physical therapy to strengthen her foot. If you've ever broken something pretty major, you know how that is. And she went to her physical therapist and she said, how fast can I get in and out of here? Because I don't like being here. I went to physical therapy like once, guys, and I was like, never doing this again. It hurts so much. 
just the honest truth. And she asked her physical therapist, how quickly can I heal? And she said, however quickly you can deal with the pain. However much you can push through this pain is how quickly you're gonna heal. And you know, we've all had painful experiences. The question is, are you gonna get stuck there? Or are you gonna choose to press through into a place of victory? I'm gonna take you back. Some of you guys know my story, some of you don't. I'll take you back to August 1st, 2015. I woke up that day with the realization that I was alone. My husband had left me and was having an affair. I was on a mission trip with 64 students in New York and I had to decide what I was going to do with my pain. Just because I made the decision didn't mean that everything was okay. I had months and even years to heal, but I had decided that this wasn't my end. It was my beginning. I trusted God with the outcome of my marriage and instead of questioning and staying hurt, I focused on getting healthy and being a better me. I'm still working on being a better me today, but I believe because I made the decision to push through pain early on in my story that I am where I am today. My battle, my pain and hurt wouldn't stop me. And I think that's one of the reasons that God's able to use my story. I even got that date tattooed right here on my foot, ankle, because I believe that that was the day that God's plan and purpose for my life started in a whole new way. I share that to tell you that there is victory possible despite the depth of your pain. You do not have to stay broken. You don't have to stay hurt or hold on to unforgiveness. You can let it go. And instead of taking hold of your pain, take hold of your purpose. If I don't live by the spirit, I will live by the flesh. And if you're not living by the spirit today, which takes a lot of work, you're gonna live by I feel, I want, I need. All of your focus is gonna be inward. You can think, well, I can't help the way I feel, but you can help the way you think, speak, act, and that's where feelings originate. The enemy wants you to get hurt, and he wants you to stop in your hurt so you lose your fight. He tells you, you don't need to push past these feelings. You don't need to keep going. We've gotta give God the same time to make things right as it took us to make them wrong. We like to rush God. We have like this mentality with God where I should be able to push 30 seconds on a button and you make it right, but it took me 30 years to do all the wrong. <laughs> There's gonna be sometimes you don't make right decisions and God wants to help you, but you gotta give him the time to work it out in you because he's not dealing with a robot, he's dealing with you. So he can do it like that, but how fast can you let him do it in you? We each have a choice to make. We can press and, and receive the victory, or we can stay in our pain, in our unforgiveness, in our diagnosis, in our darkness, and just say, well, it is what it is. My depression's too real. My anxiety's too real. You don't know what it's like to feel this. You didn't say this thing tonight that I'm dealing with. Guess what? God knows what you're dealing with. And his power is way bigger than your issue. The only thing that makes his power less than your issue is you. Because you're making your problem bigger than the power of God. You can diminish God's power in your life. But there's no limit to what his power can do in your life if you let it. There's no greater sermon. There's no greater thing that we could ever talk about than a transformed life. 
And when we press past the pain and reach the point of victory, we have a story that can not only encourage, but it can strengthen others. In Philippians 3, 13 through 14, as I close, it says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. We can't live in the past and expect to get a great future. You're going to get what you got back there if you can't let go of it. Like, I believe that I was able to receive the marriage that I have today and the husband I have today because I wanted to be healthy. Not because I wanted to be married again. Not because I wanted to have a really hot guy, which I do. But I literally decided I'm going to be healthy for God. I'm going to do something great for God. And God adds the other things to your life. He knows the desires of your heart. You don't need to talk out of something you've never lived to have influence. Just live it. Let God put his hand on you. Let God bless you. You don't have to be perfect. I am, if you told him just like he yelled out earlier, or if, he, if you let him tell you, he could tell you I'm not a perfect wife. And I've done it twice. I should know a lot more things than what I know. But guess what? God gives me mercy and so does he. And I want to get better. So God's going to bless me in the midst of my journey of still learning. Here's some things that I've learned, okay? You'll heal as fast as you're willing to embrace pain. Hurt people hurt people, but healed people heal people. Don't give up, don't quit, and you will win. Your pain becomes your gain and others too, if you let it. What if your victory is on the other side of your obedience? What if what God wants to do in your life is on the other side of you surrendering? You know, repent just means to change your mind. Like when I hear the word repent, I've been in church my whole life, okay? I haven't always been a pastor's kid or a pastor, but I've been in church my whole life. And the words that are offensive to me, naturally in my flesh, is sin and repent. They just don't feel good. But the word repent actually just means to change your mind. So some of us have been thinking one way about something. Maybe even it's the way you think about God. Maybe you think that he's sitting there trying to find all the bad things that you've done and hammer you out for it and just nail you to the wall. But God is literally looking for every single reason to bless you and love you and have a relationship with you. He's not looking to disqualify you. He's looking to qualify you. But you've got to give him something to work with. You can't run away from him and be like, God, you're not using me. You don't care about me. You've got to give him something so that he can multiply it, so that he can make it a miracle. Thank you for listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. I would love for you to subscribe to personally receive weekly encouragement. Also, check out my blog at keelacraftambrose.com for monthly content. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at keelacraftambrose.com.